0: well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed welcome to another edition of bearing arms cam and company my name is cam edwards i'm glad that you're with us here on this uh, monday november 21st we are uh, obviously watching uh, what's going on in colorado springs where there is the uh, shooting at the uh, nightclub over the weekend five people killed uh, 18 others injured, uh, not all of them uh, injured by uh, gunshots, but uh, still injured nonetheless. A uh, An attack that apparently was stopped by uh, patrons of this nightclub, at least one of whom managed to get a hold of a handgun that the uh, suspect had, then uh, hit the suspect over the head with that handgun, and then used that handgun to hold the suspect at bay uh, until authorities arrived. Uh, President Joe Biden Once again, calling for a ban on uh, so-called assault weapons, as he has done with virtually every high-profile shooting that we've seen over the past couple of months, even those in which rifles were not used, uh, that hasn't stopped uh, Biden from trying to associate uh, these types of crimes with uh, AR-15s and other modern sporting rifles in his attempt to uh, try to drum up support to ban them. We are also seeing folks talk about uh, the uh, failure, apparently, of Colorado's red flag law. Uh, which uh, has been on the books, was not invoked in this case, even though the uh, suspect in question uh, had an incident last year where he originally was facing felony charges for making bomb threats against his own mother. Uh, apparently that did not prompt either a extreme risk protection order petition nor a uh, involuntary mental health hold, nor did it result in these felony charges actually going forward because instead they were reduced apparently to uh, a misdemeanor, but yes, supposedly it is a lack of gun control. If you listen to uh, anti-gun Democrats that uh, prompted this attack, uh, never mind you know any discussion about to being able to protect yourself against a mass murderer, right? No, they don't want to have that conversation at all. Well, I'll tell you what: one of the states where we already have a so-called ban on assault weapons on the books, we already have an extremist protection order, and we have the highest violent crime rates of any New England state. Yeah, Massachusetts. We're talking with uh, Big Jim Wallace of the Gun Owners Action League in Massachusetts on today's show uh, about what's likely to happen in the upcoming session where Democrats control a supermajority as well as now the governor's office uh, in the state of Massachusetts. We'll get to that interview in just a second. But before we do, there's a new pro-Second Amendment and veteran-owned coffee company that I've been wanting to tell you about. It's called Freedom One Coffee. Freedom and then the number one. Coffee has amazing coffee options like their bourbon barrel aged coffee, which is not something you can find in your local supermarket. And their military themed bags and their freshly roasted coffees are guaranteed to have you conquer your day like the B-17 conquered the Nazi skies. They have a Black Friday sale going on from now until the end of the month where you can get up to 75% off of their products. And For every bag of coffee that you purchase, you have a chance of winning their golden ticket, which will give you free coffee for a year. That's right. All you have to do is go to freedomonecoffee.com. That's the word freedom, and then the number one, coffee.com, for your chance to win free coffee for a year from a fantastic pro-Second Amendment and a veteran-owned coffee company, freedomonecoffee.com. All right, now let's get to our interview with Big Jim Wallace of the Gun Owners Action League up in Massachusetts uh, to give us a preview of what might be coming down the mass turnpike in terms of a gun control legislation in the upcoming weeks and months. Take a look and a listen. Jim, thanks so much for coming on the show, sir. It's good talking to you today.
1: Hey, once again, welcome back to the Second Amendment Battleground State. It Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's let's and I want to talk about one particular battle uh, here. So in the pages of the Boston Globe a couple of days ago, there was a you know, one of those point counterpoint pieces. Obviously, you know, because you were the counterpoint uh, to the point of we need to start limiting the number of guns that people can buy in Massachusetts every year. So let me let me let, let's just start there, Jim. Is this a serious proposal for Massachusetts Democrats? Uh, are, are they investigating or, or planning Gun rationing in twenty twenty three
1: well, I mean, it's already been proposed here o- over the last few years uh, what's going to be very interesting is to see what's coming, and we've already kind of been warned that get ready um because they're gonna try to find any way they can to get around brewing, and that's been made very clear to us, of course, we saw what happened in California, New York, and other places. Where you know they collectively lost their minds because the court finally said, you know, very clearly that this is a civil right and it will be respected as one. But it, it's interesting when you talk to these government officials about Bruin because they claim it was a very limited case that it only talked about a licensing scheme, didn't talk about carry, didn't talk about any of that stuff. And when I've had conversations with government officials on, I'm like, did you read the case? (laughs) Um, Should we report you to the Bar Association? Because if you can't read that and I can, you know, maybe they should look at your, you know, lawyer status and uh, ability to represent people legally. Uh, And, you know, some of that was when we actually said to the state, because there's actually a recreational vehicle law. That it's it's against the law to carry a gun, a loaded gun, on an ATV or ski mobile, even on your own farm, your own property. You can't do it. And when we brought that to their attention in light of Bruin, they said, No, no, it's more of a safe storage law. It has nothing to do. And Bruin really was only a licensing scheme decision. It didn't talk about, you know, where and how you could carry and like did, did we read the same decision?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I, you, okay. you know, and we've seen that
0: dodge from other states uh, as well. And, you know, look, the question that the court had to address was whether or not New York's May issue laws violated the Constitution. But as you point out, in their opinion— they talked about the, you know, the type of "quote unquote" sensitive places that would likely yep. be unconstitutional. Uh, they talked about how if you put up barriers to people getting their permits, then even a shall-issue system could be unconstitutional. So you're absolutely right. I mean, this this decision did not just touch on uh, may-issue carry laws because I think the court, and of course, they, the court laid out the test that all Second Amendment cases should be using going forward, right? Whether or not uh, a particular gun law comports with the text of the Second Amendment, as well as the history and the tradition of the right to keep and bear arms. So this dodge that you're describing here by the state, um, I mean, look, as you say, this is about trying to get away with infringing
1: on people's rights rather than respecting those rights. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, too, because in the case, they pretty much said you cannot use discretion anymore. It has to be the same application process for everybody in the state. And that's a twofold problem for us because the state still maintains it's not a state license. I've been told that by state officials. We have no authority to tell the chiefs what to do because this is not a state license. Well, my license says Commonwealth of Mass on it. I don't know (laughs) what other people say. Um, It is a state mandated license. The state actually... Prints the licenses, the state tracks the licenses, the state does the background checks, but somehow it's not a state license. So, uh, but they have actually told the chiefs you can't use discretion anymore, but you can still use suitability. W- what's the difference? All right. You know, it's like yeah, all right. It's not a banana anymore. We're gonna call it an orange, but it's still a banana. You know, it's right. Hate. It doesn't matter. They just changed the wording and now they, they still think they can use suitability. So it's basically they're going to try to do everything they can to put a stranglehold on Bruin and make sure that it's respected in the most minimal terms possible in the Commonwealth, because they still will not absolutely not uh, recognize this as a civil right, which, you know me, I've never used the term gun rights. Mm-hmm. I have always used the term civil rights. Yep. Uh because guns don't have rights, you know. And when you use terms like that, it's easy for them to shoot it down, no pun intended, because it's a gun, it's not you. Once you start talking about civil rights, it really puts them on their heels because what that civil right isn't as good as the ones you like. So be careful what you wish for. Um, and we've said that for many years in Massachusetts that If they can do this to us, they can do it to you. So just be very careful what power you want to give them. Absolutely. In fact, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Jim,
0: but, uh, you know, out in Oregon, um, they had this ballot measure, Measure 114, that uh, imposed a magazine ban and a permit to purchase law. Uh, And and there were some uh, progressive gun owners. There were some Democratic gun owners who were uh, out there making the case that, uh, this magazine ban in particular was going to be, you know, disproportionately uh, applied against minorities. And they pointed to Massachusetts arrest rates that that was that was their group of statistics. And yeah. uh, and and say and, yeah, you know, they were pointing out, look at the disproportionate harm that's being done by this gun law in Massachusetts. Um, so word is getting out, by the way, about how terrible your state's gun laws are, uh, even all the way across the country. I am curious, though, do you think that most of the. Uh, anti-Second Amendment activity in the legislature is going to be directed at concealed carry? Or are they going to go after, you know, so-called assault weapons? Are they going to go after gun stores? Uh, I mean, you know, Maura Ely, uh, the incoming governor, obviously uh, Massachusetts gun owners know how hostile she is to uh, to the Second Amendment. Uh,
1: How wide a net do you think they're going to cast here in the next session? Well, it's funny you say that because, In the column we were talking about in the Boston Globe, the gentleman who wrote the counterpoint Mm -hmm. was Maury Healy's attorney that actually deposed me when we sued her over the (laughs) assault weapons ban. So it's kind of interesting. The Globe didn't happen to mention that he was one of her lead attorneys and he was the guy who deposed me for that lawsuit. So um, but there's also a lot of stuff that he's talking about where supposedly this data about you know, often multiple gun sales are, you know, related to crime. And it, of course, my question is, really? Because that, that data is not available to the average person on the street. So I'm not sure where he got or thinks he got that data. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I can fully expect that we're going to face uh, some serious challenges because she's not going to give up on, you know, her bigotry against us. And it, it, it's it's a shame because, he, as you know, too, we put out that report, what, three weeks ago, that used the state's numbers to show that gun-related homicides have increased 111% since these laws have been in place. And they continue to use the mantra, well, Massachusetts has the lowest gun death rate in the country, therefore our laws work. I wouldn't consider a 111% increase on murder to be any kind of success. Uh, because they want to compare themselves to other people, not what's actually going on here. And by the way, Maine is the least violent state in the country. Imagine that, huh? A Constitutional carry state. So is New Hampshire and Vermont, two and three. So, uh, you know, so it's going to be a social struggle. And when Bruin happened, I actually talked to, I don't know how many people, but and I told them, listen, folks, this isn't the end of the fight. The fight really just began. Because if you look at all the civil rights actions throughout U.S. history, the court battle, as hard as it was, was the easiest part. Mm-hmm. The second part is social acceptance. And that takes a lot of hard work. And that's where we are now. That's step two is the social acceptance to get them to get rid of their their. You know, bigoted views of us and their social immaturity when it comes to our civil rights is not going to be easy because they've been trained for decades to think that, you know, we're safe here in Massachusetts and we're not. And we're not. I mean, even just violent crime, not gun related crime, when we did that initial report in 2018, Massachusetts was the most violent per capita state in Northeast America. I mean, how, how do they not see those numbers and go, we're doing something wrong?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. But instead, as you say, you've got, you know, uh, activists in like Newton, Massachusetts, uh, shutting down gun stores. Uh, there's the, uh, the, the, the you know, they're going after FFLs, they're going after gun owners. As you say, they're going after culturally and socially those who would exercise their right to armed self-defense. Uh, and, and that is, I think, going to be a, a huge issue because you're right. For decades, these folks have been told that they're on the side of angels. Right. They're the ones out there wearing the white hats. Yeah. But as you say, they're the ones who are depriving people uh, of an inherent civil right, a fundamental civil right, putting their lives in danger, uh, you know, with the false promise of public safety. And and I know that this is going to be a challenge that uh, Gun Owners Action League is going to be facing, and every Massachusetts gunner is going to be facing uh, in the you know not just months and weeks ahead, but in the years ahead. This is a probably a, a generational. Uh, a fight in the court of public opinion that you were talking about here.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and as a matter of fact, you know, when Bruin came out in the next in the following couple of days, the reactions from elected officials in places like California, New York and Mass, uh, when the press was calling me, I said, I have never in my life seen so many progressives channeling Governor Wallace of Alabama. And they said, what? And I said, think about it. That's what he did after Brown v. Board of Education. No, 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 you're not going to tell me what to do in my state. I'm going to hold on to my bigotry and my past, and we're not going to, blah you know, and it was exactly what they were doing, and nobody in the media was calling them on it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I I was talking with Daniel Schmutter, uh, attorney uh, out of New Jersey last week, and he, he, you know, he made the same comparison. And, And, you know, folks who know their history, it's hard not to see the obvious um similarities here uh you know where you almost literally have anti gun po- anti second amendment politicians who are you know standing in the doorway uh barring entry uh to gun owners just like uh Wallace did you know standing in the schoolhouse door um and 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 I, I hope that that is actually part of you know the the social and cultural efforts that goals is going to be engaged in is pointing out look you may think you're doing the right thing here um, but let's talk about all of the harm that these laws are doing. And as you say, where are the benefits? If Massachusetts is the most violent New England state, if it's violent crime rate far higher than constitutional carrying neighbors like Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont, what's the argument that this is working, quite honestly?
1: Well, there there, there isn't one, and that's the problem. I mean, when we initially released this report back in 2018, uh, and people can find it on the website, by the way. It's under Gold News, the drop down, the reports right there. Um, I actually met with the Globe editorial staff, and I had all the data printed out from the state. I had our report, I had everything. And I was told point blank, we don't believe you. It's like, what do you mean? I'm not asking you to believe me. This isn't a study, this is numbers, data from the state that we just put together in a report and handed you. No, we don't believe you. So because it didn't meet their mantra, then it must be false. And to this day, so what What do we got, four years now? Nobody's been able to disprove that report because it's the state's numbers. It's mm-hmm. not just a study or survey of 400 people. You know, it's, these are the numbers that are reported. One of the things, too, that we're looking into Kim, a little bit of a side issue here, is th- we we believe there may be a situation where even those numbers don't include crime on campuses. Um, and I'm not sure about that, but I was told by a retired uh, university police chief, they don't report into those systems. And if oh, that's wow. true, that's a huge problem. Because yeah. campuses are very dangerous places.
0: Right. I mean, especially, you know, in Boston, you have got, what, 70 plus uh, college universities. I mean, if they're not reporting, that's, that's a pretty good problem swath of the city that, uh, again, those crime stats, uh, may not be accurate. All yeah. right. Well, I, I listen, uh, Jim, I, we could talk all day long, honestly, about everything that's going on in Massachusetts. Uh, and maybe one day we'll do a telethon and we'll just, we uh, we'll, you know, we'll just do this for like eight hours at a time. Okay. Um, obviously well, on. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So obviously, man, Owners, they need to be involved. They need to be engaged. Uh, I'm sure that you're encouraging them to join the Gun Owners Action League. Um, when does the legislature kick off? When do you expect the, the real crackdown to start to begin here?
1: Well, the legislative session doesn't start till January. Um, and because there are so many new elected people uh, this year, including, you know, the corner office, the governor. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what hits. We're, matter of fact, probably this week or next week, we'll start drafting legislation of our own to get in there uh, that will try to pull the state closer to Bruin. And um, the deadline for that is usually the second week in January. I don't know if they've set that date yet. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting spring, late winter, spring. We're going to really know what's what we're facing out there. And we'll also see if the statehouse remains open to the general public. Um, I was a little bit concerned when I was driving home from Maine yesterday and I was hearing brand new commercials about social distancing and canceling birthday parties. And I'm like, well, what's coming that they're suddenly pushing this all of a sudden again? You know, so I I always, you know, a little bit of the tinfoil hat was was there. (laughs) "Hmm." Wonder why we're hearing about this already.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, if all of a sudden uh, citizens uh, can't lobby their lawmakers quite as easily, I think uh, we'll know that uh, maybe it was a good idea that you had that tinfoil on under the ball cap. Uh, Jim, as always, man, I I appreciate you joining me on the show. Thank you for everything you're doing uh, there in Massachusetts. And I know that we'll be talking much more uh, about the Second Amendment battleground state here in the uh, very near future. Absolutely, Ken. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Jim Wallace joined us from the Gun Owners Action League here on Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Well, I do appreciate Jim joining us on the program. Looking forward to uh, having him back again. Wish it was a you know, better topic, obviously, but uh, we will not ignore what's going on in the Second Amendment battleground state of Massachusetts. Oh, no, we will not. let uh, turn our attention now, however, to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. This comes to us from uh, Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, where uh, all of the men charged in a 2019 fatal shooting in Shippensburg have now been sentenced to probation. Yeah, all three of the individuals who originally charged uh, in connection with this death. It happened back on October 6, 2019. Police called it a drug deal gone bad. A a 21-year-old was shot and killed, and uh, three individuals uh, facing charges, the last to face sentencing. Uh, One of the uh, individuals uh, who received a five-year probationary sentence uh, after spending a little more than uh, 1,100 days behind bars, Clayton Wilson, uh, ended up pleading guilty last week to recklessly endangering another person, carrying a firearm without being licensed. Uh, He got a sentence of time served in five years probation after serving 1134 days in jail before his sentencing. His uh, two compatriots, a man named Quentin Furlow, pleaded guilty earlier this month to tampering with or fabricating evidence, recklessly endangering another person, as well as possession of a controlled substance. He, too sentenced to five years probation. And the individual who was originally facing the most serious charges, a uh, guy named Samir Stevenson, pleaded guilty back in 2020 to possession with intent to deliver criminal use of a communication facility and recklessly endangering another person. After originally facing charges of criminal homicide, those charges were reduced or actually negated as a result of the plea deal. And Samir Stevenson was sentenced to time served. After spending 262 days in jail, he also was given a five-year probationary sentence So again, a a death, three people charged in connection with that death, and the most that any of them will serve behind bars, 1,134 days, which amounts again to time served. Today's armed citizen story from Bibb County, Georgia, where a a 17-year-old who was spotted with a gun in a school carpool lane. Uh, was arrested after he was later detained by an armed homeowner. This happened last Wednesday. Bibb County, Georgia, a school resource officer saw the teen with a gun in a vehicle there in the carpool lane. He uh, went to approach the teen. Teen got out of the car with the gun in hand and then took off running. That sparked a huge manhunt. Multiple law enforcement agencies searching for the teen for several hours. Uh, when they finally found him, he was being held at gunpoint by an armed homeowner, there in Bibb County. Officers were able to make an arrest. The uh, 17-year-old now facing a litany of charges. The uh, armed homeowner has not been named, but hopefully will get some recognition from one of the uh, many law enforcement agencies that uh, were looking for the uh, teenager. And by the way, like the vast majority of defensive gun uses, the trigger wasn't pulled. The presence of that firearm in the hands of the peaceable gun owner was enough uh, to stop the teen in his tracks and allow him to be taken into custody. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Holland, Michigan, where police officers and community members in the right place at the right time were able to do the right thing to help a family replace their vandalized Christmas display. Yeah, some real scrooges out there. This is uh, one of the inflatables there that the uh, family had put up that was apparently destroyed uh, over the uh, past weekend. Nicole Hutchinson and her two kids Amia. And uh, Odin uh, put up the Christmas decorations right after Halloween. They say it started as a way to lift their spirits after family members moved away, but it has quickly turned into an annual tradition. Uh, So when they woke up this past Saturday, they watched shows on Disney+, Plus. they decided to go out to McDonald's for breakfast, and when they left the driveway, that's when they realized that the inflatable bear had fallen over. At least they thought it had fallen over. And then they realized that it had been cut multiple times. She said, the kids jumped out of the car immediately asked what was wrong. I said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think Bubba the Bear is dead. She said, my kids were horrified. Their screams and yells, they just lost it. They were so hurt. All of the inflatables had been sliced open. The extension cords for the lights had been cut. The wooden displays that mom and her kids put up were covered in black spray paint. Every bit of it had been destroyed. She called the local police department, checked local cameras, and uh, uh, they have yet to make an arrest. Uh, She says she's trying to use this as a lesson for forgiveness with her kids. She says they've expressed how they'll never forget how much it hurt, but that everybody is worth forgiving, and we all make mistakes. She says we're trying to keep our hearts malleable and not hardened, which we feel is very important. Well, I think one of the things that will help keep their heart a little softer is the fact that The community has responded, as have the uh, Holland Police Department. Uh, Hutchinson says the community all chipped in. A lot of people encouraged me to create a GoFundMe, but I didn't think it would go too far. She said I never expected it to pan out the way it did. Uh, But in the end, almost $600 raised for the family, more than enough to rebuild the displays. Uh, And uh, Hutchinson says the last couple of days, my kids have been able to go on shopping sprees to their heart's delight. It kind of makes the wounds uh, not so traumatic. Um, Holland Police Department officers uh, Jeff Klein, Derek Barrett, uh, in the sp- uh, specifically get involved here in the situation. Hutchinson uh, said Officer Klein approached me and said they had a special fund down at the station for situations like this, and he would feel privileged if the department could help replace some of the decorations. She said, "Never in a million years have I ever been offered something so gracious." So again, in the right place, at the right time. Willing and able to do the right thing for a uh, family who got hit by the Grinches. Well, We thank those uh, officers in Holland, Michigan, as well as the uh, community there for uh, stepping up to help that family out. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam & Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. We will be back tomorrow. Yes, we do have a holiday-shortened week, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We are going to be with you, bringing you the latest Second Amendment news and information. I would also encourage you to check out bearingarms.com, the website throughout the day. We're constantly updating the site with more news stories that you need to know about when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and uh, be free.